Welcome back, everybody. It's time for customers who click. I've got another great D2C episode lined up for you today as I'm joined by Andrew Lees, founder and CEO of Stoke Ventures, a product development firm. And we're going to be talking about their business, Grass Racks. In this episode, we'll discuss how they've managed to grow organically and via affiliates and how they've managed to leverage Pinterest for growth. If you're interested in some more exclusive content, follow me on LinkedIn, just search Will Lawrenson, or sign up for my newsletter on customerswhoclick.com, where I share all of my new tactics and ideas. Let's hear from Andrew now. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Um, what, have, what have you been up to? What do you, what do, you do these days? And um, kind of uh, how things are going with, uh, with Grassracks? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show, Will. Um, this is going to be a lot of fun. I love talking about um, product development and product launch, e-commerce, all this stuff. So very cool. Uh, yeah. So I'm Andrew Lees. Uh, I have I, I own a company called Grass Racks. We make bamboo display um, and storage racks for for outdoor gear like skis, snowboards, surfboards, skateboards, all kinds of boards, bikes, and skis, basically. Um, and we're not talking about car racks like roof racks. These our racks go on the wall or they're freestanding. You put in your home, office, or garage to you know to help store and organize your gear. Um, and then besides that, that was actually the, f- the first company I launched. But then the second company, I had, I had been doing product development, engineering, and working for a company in, in Pennsylvania in the U.S. Um, and and at the time that I launched Grassracks, and then after that, a couple of years after that, I launched a product development um, and launch strategy company called Stoke Ventures. So we help other entrepreneurs develop and launch their their own um, product. Uh, physical product and mobile apps. Um, and then I also have a podcast called That Entrepreneur Life, where we talk about everything, uh, you know, everything to do with being an entrepreneur. Oh, okay. Sounds great. Um, cool. So I guess just getting into, uh, straight into grass facts then. Yeah. What do you think has been your, the, the biggest contributor to growth over the last uh, year or so? How long did you say they've been going? Yeah. So uh, I started, I kind of kicked around the idea and like, 2008-2009 okay. is when I first had the idea. I got a piece, um, piece of wood from Home Depot and a jigsaw and I just started chopping away. <laughs> it was really rough and ugly, but um, I didn't. we didn't really start get, getting going until about 2012. So we've been doing it for about nine years, almost 10 years now. Um, and, and we really like we were actually, I think we were talking about this offline last time we talked, but if we had, if, if I had known my business partner and I had known what we know now in the beginning, we'd be looking at being where we are in nine years in like one year, probably. Um, so it's just incredible how much, and we didn't know anything. We didn't know anybody else who knew anything about this kind of thing. Yeah. So it's just like, we're kind of kicking ourselves that we didn't put a better strategy in place from the beginning that we didn't reach out and, you know, even hire people who knew what they were doing in e-commerce and, you know, in manufacturing and helping us kind of put all the pieces together. So, um, now we do and, but yeah, we've been doing it for a while and and now we're, I'd say we feel within the last couple of years that we've really been rocking and rolling with everything. Oh, that's great. So, um, I mean, in all fairness, like 10 years ago, things were very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. No Shopify, no Clavio, some alternatives, but yep, yep. 
you know, even the social networks, right? Facebook, completely different these days uh, from, from a business point of view than it was uh, 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I'm not even sure when they launched ads, but they might not have had ads 10 years ago. They, so when I first, I've, when I first launched, when I launched the first site for Grass Racks, um, I guess I was actually a little bit before 2012 when I did that. So I sort of started it and then kind of put it on pause for a while, for a couple of years and then, and launched it again, basically. But, um, when I first did that, they, they did have ads on Facebook, but they were still trying to kind of figure that out. And like everybody was trying to figure that out, I think, including Facebook. So it was like, you know, they didn't, you, you couldn't, um, you couldn't do the things that then that you can now in terms of, um, like more advanced targeting and audience expansion and all, all the different things like retargeting was, was a little different. I didn't even know about retargeting. I didn't know that word. It wasn't even in my, um, vocabulary, which is, which is crazy because it's a, that's just that alone is such a big part of being successful with, with, um, online market or ads, you know, advertising online. So yeah, everything's come a really long way. Yeah, cool. So, um, so yeah, uh, so going back, uh, so what, yeah, what do you think has been the biggest uh, contributor to growth, maybe over the last couple of years? Yeah. So I think, uh, for us, it's, well, definitely for us, looking at our metrics is organic growth and or organic traffic. We do, we really only recently have started getting into to ads, um, seriously. So for us, growth has come from, just grinding it out and getting organic traffic. And the way that we get organic traffic, the way that anybody does is through good content. Um, and then also through affiliate outreach and getting basically like you're either ranking well on your website to get your own, you know, website visitors direct, or you're, you're working with other websites to kind of piggyback off of their traffic. And that comes in the form of like, reaching out to, um, stand up paddle mag or surfer mag, or, you know, somebody to post a review or some kind of an article about us on their website. Um, and so we, you can leverage the, the domain authority of a much bigger website, you know, and get, and, and their traffic too, so that people who, you know, they've already got the traffic, they've already got the authority, so we've used them to, you know, to drive traffic to us. And then what's even more powerful about that is the trust factor. So somebody coming from another website that they already trust, like especially a review, if they trust the other reviews that are on, you know, on a blog or on somebody's, um, somebody's web, somebody else's website, they, by the time they've clicked on our products, they already trust it more than if they just found us directly. So it's actually can be even more powerful doing it that way. And it's, it ends up being a lot faster than ranking for, you know, on your own website and really building up your own authority. Cause that is the long-term strategy for us, but it also takes a long time for that to really kind of kick in and, um, and, you know, get the kind of traffic and ultimate sales that you're, that you really need to be sustainable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually, we had an ep- I had an episode uh, uh, quite a while ago now um, about dominating page one, right? okay. and it was all about it, it was kind of this this similar idea to what you're talking about. Really, if you can't get yourself to page one, your your own URL uh, link right. to page one, 
get on someone else's link that is on page one. Exactly. Yep. That's going to be, uh, in some cases, it might be a blog, like, you know, here are the top 10 products to do this. Get, get yourself in that top 10, ideally number one. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then he also, you know, he also said, you know, if it's a transactional term, uh, obviously it depends on your products, but Amazon is likely to be there on page one. So you're yep. not going to be able to compete with Amazon to get spot one. So make sure you are Amazon's number one choice for that spot. Yep. Yeah, 100% agree. I think it's a really good way of looking at it, really. Um, and you know, obviously with Amazon, it's likely that people will then buy from Amazon. Um, but with those review sites and those comparisons and you know all those other opportunities, but they're basically just saying, go and buy this product. Go and, uh, you know, we, we recommend it. We think it's good. Go and buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that trust factor is, is like, can be very underrated. You know, it's, it's such a, such an important, I mean, that's really all you're trying to do online or really in sales in general is, is, is building trust about yourself, about your company, yourself and, and your product. Um, and when you're doing that in person, it's like almost easier to do that in person because you can have a real conversation with somebody. And like I was at a trade show for a product that I, um, developed and if, uh, I was talking to customers, a really cool experience to be able to talk to customers face to face. Our conversion rate, um, was, was insane. It was like 25 to 50%. So 25 to 50% of the people who were walking up to that booth were buying the product because it was a $20 product. It solved a real problem that every, every, almost everybody who walked up knew that they had. And, and so that's like a 25 to 50%. That's, you can't, you almost can't do that online, but it's, yeah, it's but that's insane. what, you know, but that's what we're like. I, I, you know, I told the guy who I developed the product for, who I ended up doing some extra work for him and kind of partnering on this product with him. And I was like, what we need to do, the goal is really just to translate that experience online. And that's all we're trying to do. You know, we're not going to get, most people aren't going to get, you know, 25 to 50% conversion rate online, but we're just trying to get as close as we can. If you get a two to 3%, you know, you're doing pretty well. If you're getting like a 5% conversion rate, you're doing, you know, incredible. So it's really just trying to, to build trust as quickly as possible and, and have that clearly communicate your product and, and your kind of your brand to somebody really quickly. And it's tough to do online, but that's really all what it's all about. Yeah, I think um, I, I've had this conversation a couple of times recently, actually, about how how can you make the the online experience as good as an in store experience? Yeah, and um, most brands don't, and I, I think there tends to be this this attitude of I, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it really. We, we don't have to put that effort in. Yeah, yeah. They've clicked on the advert for this product, therefore they have an interest in this product. So they'll see the pictures, they'll see some of the information. And they either want it or they don't. Yeah, they'll just buy it. It's like, no, well, what if they have other questions? Yeah. Or what if they want to know, do you have a version of your product that does this instead? Um, you know, for the, for the racks, uh, you know, it might be how many, how many products can, how many items can I put on this? Yeah. Do you have one that does this? Or do you have one that will fit in this space? Or, you know, whatever. Um, and a lot of the time in store, 
there'll be someone there to answer those questions. Exactly. Yeah. Which kind of gets you around not having the information there, but online you don't have that unless you have live chat, then you're relying on people using live chat. So it makes sense to say, well, you know, here are all the questions we've received through, through uh, email, through live chat, through just having conversations with customers. Let's get that information on the page so that, you know, all these common questions are answered. You know, it could even be, what wood is this? What would you make their axe from? Yeah, exactly. Or is this, you know, we talk about it being hundred uh, percent bamboo, but you know, okay. What does that mean? Is it, um, you know, is it like a single, like hundred percent single ply bamboo or is it three ply, which is what we use? Cause it's a lot stronger, you know? So yeah, people, people have those kind of questions and concerns. Um, we get a, a, a lot of people ask us, can we put a rack outside? And, you know, so I'm answering that a lot, um, in, you know, I'm sending messages back and it's kind of like, we, we need to make sure that we're to make it the, the, make it more efficient for us and make it more efficient for the customer because they have limited time and limited attention span. We have to make sure that that information is super clear for them. Um, and, and I'm really, yeah, I'm really interested to see what the next like five to 10 plus years of e-commerce is going to look like as we try to get closer to that, um, in-store experience. I think Amazon's done a really good job of, solving the problem of convenience. Like if I want something and I just, I know I can go down to, you know, down the street to the store and pick it up. It takes me, you know, it ends up taking more than like five, 10 minutes might take a half hour round trip, but still, I know that I can get that product quickly and same day and with no shipping costs. And Amazon has figured that out really, really well. But what I think that they haven't figured out exactly and they're probably working on it is how to make the shopping experience really more like sort of personal and more feel more like you're in a store um and i think like shop i know shopify is working on it because now they have uh a or um um like ai and for um what am i trying to say like augmented reality right so you can take a picture or video of your, um, hold your camera up like in your room and boom, you're the couch that you're looking at pops up in your living room and you can decide whether or not it looks good. That's insane. That's better. That's even better than an in-store experience. So I think stuff like that is going to be really, really impactful to sales. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before you went onto Amazon, I had, had a comment. Oh, um, yeah, but Amazon. So yeah, it was about Amazon. Um, so I actually, I bought these headphones. Um, so the, the ones that I've got in actually, uh, interestingly, based because of this conversation, I looked up a like reviews, you know, top 10 earbuds for 2021, right? To try and find what was good because I, I lost my previous ones somehow. Yeah. Um, found an article, recognized the, uh, the blog or the, the website. So I was like, cool. Okay. This is going to be reputable. You know, if, if they're on here, that's a good sign. Uh, found them on Amazon, decent price, thought, sweet, okay, I'll get them. Um, I've had issues with them. So issues to the point where contacted the manufacturer, the manufacturer sent me a new set um, okay. to tighten the hope that that would resolve the issue, and it hasn't. Um, so I've then bought a new pair off Amazon, bought them yesterday, got them today. Yeah, which is incredible, yeah. 
it's not just that convenience that Amazon has of being able to get something same day or next day. It's also the fact that I can find any product I want on there. Yeah. I don't have to go through like 10 different websites trying to find either this, this certain model of, um, uh, of earbuds, or if I don't know what I want, it, it, Amazon just makes it so easy to say, okay, this, this is probably going to be a good one. So I'll just, I'll buy this and I know I'm going to get it the next day. Yeah, exactly. It's just that, that whole shopping experience is just so, it's so easy, so convenient. Um, you know, sometimes occasionally I will find the product on Amazon, check the specs, check the reviews, and then go buy it somewhere else from a, you know, a small, like an independent store. But yeah. no, the majority of the time for something like these, these, uh, anchor, anchor headphones, um, the, the only places that I would look at to buy them are probably like John Lewis, uh, uh, Curry's PC World or Dixon's PC World. Yeah. Um, you know, these, these quite, quite big, uh, big like brands, dealers. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't make any difference to me whether Amazon gets the money or whether they get it. Yeah. So in this case, I'm just going to buy it from Amazon, especially as I've got the, the next day. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the thing is like the convenience, you know, you know exactly what to expect with the, the buying process with Amazon. It's kind of like, like Starbucks. I got my Starbucks coffee here and I like other, I like coffee that comes from other, um, you know, other coffee shops, like more boutique type places make delicious coffee. but it's not consistent. Like I can't go into any boutique coffee place, get like a, a good cup of coffee or, you know, what they think is good, a good cup of coffee. Um, and it's, it's just not going to be the same from one place to another, but I know that I'm very confident because I've been to so many Starbucks over the years in all different places. I know I could go to any Starbucks in the world and it's, I'm going to order like a Pike place, which is, you know, their standard coffee. It's going to taste pretty damn near the same anywhere, you know? So I'm just going to go, even though I might have a, like kind of a cooler experience from a, another coffee shop. And I love supporting independent local you know, establishments, but I can't risk it. You know, I got a yeah. life's too short to, you know, to waste time on bad coffee. So, um, same thing with Amazon. Yeah. Interesting. You bring up Starbucks. Um, I saw someone, I think they tweeted the other day that they, they went past the Starbucks or a massive queue, like out the door. And literally across the road was a Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. <laughs> which also serves coffee, right? Sure. Yeah. But it's so clear that Starbucks have done something right if people are willing to queue up to get their coffee, which, you know, it, it, it's not amazing, but it's not bad. Yeah. Right. But you're, you're right. It's consistent. It's convenient. You know what you're going to get. Yep. And maybe there is some perception about whether Dunkin' Donuts has, has good coffee. I don't know. We don't have. Yeah. I don't think we have Dunkin' Donuts here. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, it's just that point that, you know, so many people are willing to queue up because they know it's, it's, they, they're going to get what they want from buying, from buying from Starbucks. Exactly. And I think it's the same thing with Amazon. You know, you know what that experience is going to be. Um, you might be able to get those, you can get those headphones direct from the, the manufacturer or the brand who sells them. Um, and, and as a small business, as a, as a brand who sells direct online, I would prefer that. I'd much rather people go and buy directly from us because that's, that's more money in our pocket and, and it's the same experience. The problem is 
we can't tell people it's the same experience. Actually, our experience is is better than Amazon because if you want to contact us, and I think this is something that that people sort of have this perception about Amazon that that the customer service experience is going to be much better. Um, and and actually, in a lot of cases, it's not necessarily like we are super responsive. You have a problem, a question with an order, whatever, we'll get right back to you. I mean, usually within a couple hours. And, and really usually sooner. And I think that a lot of people, especially in this day and age, that it's so easy to start a business and you know launch a product, have a Shopify store. People aren't expecting that. So, and even in, in our, when we get messages from Amazon, people are freaking out because they like write these sort of like nasty messages um, that, are very, that are pretty aggressive because they're, they're just assuming that it's going to take they're going to have to huff and puff to get through and get some action. And we're like, whoa, we're here. We got you. You know, we'll, we'll take care of you. And um, so I think it's, it's really cool when people do buy direct because it, it just, it really supports those businesses more, but I, I buy on Amazon all the time. So there's, there's some real power in that. And I understand doing it both ways. I think it does, at least for me, it does really depend on what I'm buying. Yeah. Certain things where, it's not really about the brand and stuff, so I'm happy to buy it on Amazon. But there are other products where either I like the brand or or it's it's just something that I wouldn't even consider buying on Amazon. Really, you know, if it's um, uh, you know, for example, your products, right? I probably yeah. wouldn't even think to look on Amazon for that. I would I would probably go like Google it and check out some brands that do it. Yeah. Um, and anything, obviously, anything homemade. Or kind of like you know, uh, handmade uh, is probably uh, not going to be on Amazon anyway. Exactly. Then we're kind of then you kind of get into the Etsy domain, which which we also sell on Etsy, and we actually we love working with Etsy because they're significantly easier to work with on the back end than Amazon, um, and and they do I think their their commission is usually depending I guess depending on what kind of product you're selling, their commission is is less. Um, but for us, we like Am- or Etsy more just because it's it's so much easier to like get anything done on the on our you know page than <laughs> Amazon is like. I actually talked with Amazon today, and and don't get me wrong, like it's it's definitely a love hate relationship with Amazon. I love them for for certain things, and I think they're you know an, an incredible. Um, they they do what what they do for the customer very well. They don't do things very well for the vendor. They don't. I wouldn't say um, if I were writing a review for them as a vendor, I would say that they don't do a good job with that part of it. Um, and they're just sort of a nightmare to deal with on the back end. Um, but what they offer is like almost instantaneous revenue. You post a product on Amazon and you, as long as you, you know, optimize your listing, you, you might even get a sale that day. You know, so you can't do that on, on a brand new Shopify store unless you're running ads. So it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Cool. We've gone uh, slightly off topic. I yeah. Think. Sorry about that. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Pinterest because uh, when we when we spoke before, um, you mentioned that Pinterest was working really well for you and you were kind of going to double down on it. So, can you give us some some insight into that? You know, what's uh, yeah? How how do you use it? How is it working for you? Yeah. So as a phys- because we have a physical product and because um, our product has to do with like home decor. And you know products that are are put in your you know in your house as, as decoration or really as, as storage. Um, 
that that's like a, an ideal type product for Pinterest. And, and really most physical products are because people are going on to Pinterest to look for product ideas. Um, it, there, a lot of people are going on there to look for ideas for their home. Some people are looking for DIY type stuff and, and you know, and that's not something that we uh, necessarily cater to, except that we, we would say that like, Hey, if you were planning on, building a rack, like we'll save you some time. And here's a beautiful rack that's already been, you know, engineered and, and built for you. Um, but yeah, we've, we've found that it's a good place. It's the best social medium for us because, uh, for two reasons, because people are searching for products and a home decor type products. So we re- re- really fit that. Um, and then the other thing is, it's really cool about Pinterest that that other social media platforms don't have is Pinterest is a search engine. So, you know, there, um, when you post something on Pinterest, it kind of lives online forever. And it's, it's the most important thing is that it's indexable. So when you search something on Google, a Pinterest ad or a Pinterest, you know, board might come up. And, and so you can actually, your, your posts could even rank in Google just by posting it to Pinterest. Um, so it, it really like the, the amount of time that it can be visible is significantly more than on like Instagram and Facebook. When you post something on Instagram and Facebook, that post is, um, you know, you'll see the traffic spike and then it just drops off. And, and that's it. Like nobody's going back a hundred posts to see what you post. They don't care, but they could search, you know, something on Google or on Pinterest and find a pin that you, that you pin like 10 years ago. And so it's way more powerful in that sense. Yeah. I've definitely, um, I can't think of examples. Oh, like infographics and things. You know, if you search for certain like marketing infographics mm-hmm. around I mean, if you just search marketing infographics, you'll probably get some links to Pinterest. But uh, if you search for something specific, like you know, conversion rate optimization infographic or something, it's, I think it's highly likely you'll end up on Pinterest. Yeah, uh, within one of those first few image results. Yeah, exactly. Because I think people tend to just store them there. Right? Yeah, I, I imagine there are people who use it almost like a swipe file. Right, they get all these infographics and things, and they just they just pin them there. Yeah. For sure. So yeah, I can I can see I can see the value there. I mean, I've I've never actually used it myself um, as a user or um, or like a business or anything. But um, yeah, but yeah, I I get I get the idea of it. And yeah, like I, I know a lot of people use it for things like home decor and uh, interior design and things to to kind of make those like vision boards almost. Exactly. Yeah, and so people are saving your product or your idea and then you know your content and then they're you know going back and and um checking it out again it might take them you know somebody might save one of your pins and then a year later go back and be like oh, you know what I'm, I'm gonna buy that finally you know like yeah i actually really need that that right now um so i'm gonna go buy it but yeah it's uh it's definitely been it's definitely driven the most sales for us out of all of our social medium. And we really, really only focus on Pinterest, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook is like an afterthought. We post anything we post, you know, just, we do the auto post from Instagram to Facebook. Um, because like, 
we never we never really got that much traffic there. Instagram is cool, but it doesn't you know people engage with our content, um, but we don't really drive sales, which is the whole point, you know. So um, Pinterest has been cool with that, and recently we started with ads, which is kind of a an, another experience with Pinterest and something that I think they're just kind of starting to figure out, even though it's been around for, even though Pinterest has been around for a, a while, they're finally like, oh, maybe we should monetize this platform in a more meaningful way. And so what's cool about it is like we were able to get an account representative who oversees our account at Pinterest. And we don't get to talk to them all the time, but like once a week, we'll have a you know discussion with them and they're, the idea is that they're interested in the success of our campaign from an early stage because then they know that if we do well from the beginning, we're going to continue to spend more and more money. Um, we we've have yet to really like dial that in and and get our conversion rate up to where we need it to be. But it's really cool because with Instagram, you don't get that. You you can't. You're not going to get an account rep who's going to you know <laughs> who's going to help you like hey this is what you should do to you know be able to be more efficient on our platform so yeah yeah it's it's interesting because you you can with Google yeah 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 uh, obviously Google's huge um, I, I don't know if they offer it to everyone but you know yeah if every business I've been at we've we've ended up with a, a Google account manager who initially has even helped like set things up for us yeah. But it's interesting that Facebook doesn't offer that, even though revenue-wise, Facebook ads are are massive for them. Yeah, I always I always wonder about that. Like, you know, when I'm sure they have the money and the resources to do that, you know. And I would I would think that it's a good, you know, it's a good investment because they'll end up they'll end up making more money if they can if they can help people be successful. And, and really, this is like. This is sort of business in a nutshell, but if you're helping people be more successful, the more you do that, the more successful you will be, you know? So I would think that they'd be a little bit more interested in that, but they, there's also a million, you know, people who help, um, kind of like ad gurus who help with that kind of thing and they're third party consultants. So I guess they're just sort of relying on other people to guide, um, to guide people to figure all that stuff out. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think like they probably have some things to learn in terms of customer service and really, you know, dialing that in where Pinterest is kind of seeing that as an opportunity. Like, Hey, Facebook's over there, not really helping people. We could make that a a competitive advantage for us if we just help people and guide them. And like, that's something that Facebook doesn't do. So if that's something that we do, then more people will come over here because especially small businesses who don't know what they're doing. so uh, yeah, I think it's it's interesting when you see different companies, you know, kind of strategically making those moves. And um, yeah, customer services—that's a we could have a whole discussion on that. But it's it's so uh, so underrated and so important to any business. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent agree. And I, I I've heard loads of disaster stories about Facebook. You know, they close accounts, they they shut down ads because you've done something wrong, but they won't explain it. They won't tell you what you've done wrong. Yeah, you don't know what you've done. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it can be a pain. Cool. Uh, so speaking about customer service then, um, do, do you guys do anything, uh, I guess, special or you know, 
What's your kind of approach to that customer experience? Yeah, so it's something that, ironically, when I first started, when I first came up with the idea for Grass Racks, um, I, I knew I wanted to launch a product. I wanted to become a millionaire um, quickly. <laughs> and that's, that was like the goal. But I didn't want to have anything to do with customers. I wanted to deliver a product. Um, I wanted, you know... Like if you if you don't like it, send it back. Or I didn't even actually didn't even think about that. I thought product is going to be amazing. Nobody's going to send it back. Nobody's going to have any issues whatsoever. Not going to have to do anything with customer service. Um, and I actually watched uh, a, a vlog that what, at the time they were calling them vlogs. That was a while ago of the the CEO of GoDaddy, who, in my opinion, still GoDaddy has some of the best customer service around. They're just absolutely like they focus on it and it shows. Um, but I watched a, a um, vlog from him who, and he was talking about customer service. And, and until I saw that video, I was just like, ah, I don't want to deal with this. Like, I'll, let me, let me check out this video, see what he has to say. Totally changed my perception of customer service and made me realize how important it is and how, how much you can how much better you can be than your competition just by having good customer service. Doesn't even have to be amazing. Just has to be good. Just has to be decent, really. Um, so, you know, it's, it's because it, it actually is continues to amaze me how many businesses of all different kinds are terrible at it. So we really, we focus on, on just being, just understanding customers when they reach out to us, um, being as quick to respond as we can. Without, we're not going to go race to our phone like every time somebody writes a message. You know, we're not crazy about it, but we'll just be as as quick as we can, um, and we'll we'll help them as much as possible. And if they have any issues, which actually turns out it is rare, most people we we get very few returns. Um, but you know, if we do get a return, if we do have somebody who has an issue with the product, we try and help them out. And if not, we have them send it back, and we issue them a, a refund, and like that's it. You know, so it's it's actually crazy simple to to be good at it. Um, we just we just all you have to do is sort of show up and and do it, and and also not be so defensive. Like it's especially as a business owner, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into your business. And you, it's so easy to be super defensive about your product or your service, and it's it's really important to remember that they don't care about that. They just care about getting you know. Um, about figuring out whatever their issue is. And if you say like two magic words are, I understand. If you just start out with, if, even if they write you a nasty message or call you with a, you know, and they're, and they're really angry. If you just say, I understand, and then work forward in a positive way, no matter how, how they're reacting, I guarantee they'll fall back on their heels and they'll be like, oh, okay. I, I thought this was going to be a challenge. They're being really cool. Okay, I'm going to be cooler. Nine times out of 10, that works. You always get that one person who you can't please them no matter what. And then they're just not a good fit and you just go your separate ways. But yeah, that's really it. Just showing up and, and understanding people. Yeah, I um, actually recorded another episode recently, which uh, would have been published by the time this is published. Uh, and he said... Uh, one of the really important things is making sure customer service people say I, not we. 
So like, I understand I'm going to fix this for you, whatever, not that, not the company understands and the company's going to fix it. And, and yeah, we yeah. as the company are sorry. Apparently it makes, makes a huge difference to actually, even at that level, uh, e- even though you are totally, saying, yeah. yeah, completely understand, we'll, we'll get that sorted for you. I'll get that sorted for you comes across much, much better, much stronger. Um, but I, I came across a, an interesting concept uh, a few years ago now, um, probably close to 10 years ago, by a, a company called Groove, which do which are a customer service platform. Um, and the idea was first contact resolution. Um, I don't know if it is their idea or it was just the first place I picked it up, but um, the idea being that if someone emails you in with a question, you should be able to answer that question and anticipate any potential follow-ups. So uh, just uh, trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Um, If someone's having problems with their password, right? you can explain that, uh, you know, they can uh, go to the login page, click forget forget your password. Uh, You'll get sent an email. That email might go to your spam folder. So check there. Um, when you reset your, your password, you need to do this and just give, making sure you give those that extra little bit of, of information, which means that they can fully resolve their issue without having to. Email I, I again. love that. Yeah. Which I think, I, I think just makes sense, right? You know, you don't want someone, neither side of this wants to be emailing back and forth yeah, constantly definitely. to get an issue resolved. So I like it when. But like with these headphones, like when they, when customer support got back to me about them, they gave me about five or six bullet point options for, you know, uh, things to try to resolve the issue, which meant that I could go through all of those and go, no, none of these work, unfortunately. And then they went, cool, we'll send you That's a new awesome. pack, a new pair. Whereas it worst case would have been, they sent me one, one method to resolve it. That didn't work. And then they sent me another one. Like that would have actually made the situation worse for me. I would have got more annoyed by that. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, some companies are are like, um, they'll just send you a new product right away. They won't even ask any questions. And that's better than doing nothing. That's better than, you know, um, like that's not the worst way to resolve something, right? Because at least you get a new product. But it really, it's so much better when for both sides, when you ask questions and you try and resolve the, you try and work through the problem first, because it, it might mean that you, you know, you don't have to send a new product. You know, you might be able to resolve the issue and, and it costs, you know, you as the company, no more money. Um, and, and then it also helps the, the customer out. They feel like they were really heard and understood and, and the problem was really worked through instead of just sending a new product, which you know, that might not work either. Cause if one, if the first product didn't work, maybe a brand new one might not help the, you know, the situation either. So having those different solutions are, is great. Yeah. I, I always feel when a company is very quick to offer a replacement, like very quick, it makes me question the value of that product. hundred percent. Yeah. Because if they're, if they're not fussed about that margin and, and the cost of providing that, then it means I've paid too much in the first place. Yep. Yeah. Or yeah, I paid too much and, or the product is questionable. You know, the quality of the product is questionable. Then I would, then I would think, uh, 
the first one didn't work, well, maybe they're like all slightly defective or, or, you know, like my problem wasn't that it was broken. It was that it didn't work as I thought it was intended. So sending me a new one isn't going to solve the problem, you know? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely agree. Cool. Um, just before we finish up, um, who in the, the kind of D2C marketing space uh, would you most like, to, most like to go for lunch with? Oh, man. So, so I think somebody like, and, and this isn't, this guy isn't really, um, I guess he's in D2C, but it's not like he has a physical product, but Neil Patel. Okay. Um, he, he's big in the, the SEO space. Um, I think he'd be really interesting to, to talk to um, because he kind of, it's kind of incredible the, what he's built with his, you know, with all of the content that he has. It kind of makes it look really effortless, pumping out all this really super helpful content about SEO and, and digital marketing and, you know, how you can get more organic traffic. And I think that ultimately for any business, one way or the other, organic traffic is the, is like the the end goal you know you don't want to be running ads for for forever um because it's just not the second you turn those ads off is this you know your revenue drops off and if anybody changes anything facebook you know they can increase their costs anytime they want and they do all the time you know um none of not you know no ad platform is going to make it super cheap and super easy for you and it could become increasingly difficult so controlling your traffic and creating really great content that drives traffic and sales is is like the ultimate um is the ultimate goal and ultimately the thing that you want to invest the most in i think so yeah it'd be really interesting to talk to somebody like that hundred percent. I mean, like, like you say, anything can change in the ad space, right? It's going to get more expensive. It's going to get tougher. And then your conversion rates are worse. Oh yeah, for sure. And as it gets tougher, your conversion rates get worse. So yeah, that organic traffic. <laughs> yeah. And the more money you spend. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, cool. So just uh, very, very finally then, um, have you got a couple of tools that you use on a, like a day-to-day basis or something that you just, you love and you would, would recommend to people? Yeah. So. Shopify, we I mean, we love Shopify for for our website, and we've used a, a bunch of other ones. So like we've tried a bunch of other platforms, um, and we really think that Shopify works works the best. I mean, you could do WooCommerce, but um, you know, with but I think that Shopify, you know, just really gets a lot of things right. Um, another tool we use for for shipping is ShipStation. That's, that's been super helpful for us um, and like worth the money a hundred times over. Um, and, and then for marketing, we use, I mean, for scheduling a social media posts, we use later, which is, which is pretty cool, but it's not some, to be honest, it's not something that we're like completely obsessed about. Um, I mean, the marketing tool, you know, what is a really cool thing that I use a lot is keywords everywhere um, to do keyword research. And it's a, it's a, like a plugin for Google and you just, whatever you search, it pops up with like the, you know, relative search volume for something. Yeah. I think I'm saying that. Yeah. 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 And so if you don't want to spend money on, on a tool like, um, Ahrefs or um, or Moz, Moz, 
what you know whatever the other you know those other analytic tools are there's a bunch of them um it's keywords everywhere is super cheap and you just pay by like the hundred thousand searches or whatever. And, um, it's really cool to do keyword research and in general, keyword research is something that I think a lot more people should be doing. A lot more businesses should be doing to, to dial in their, the audience and figure out what people are really searching for and figure out, cause that's going to, that keyword research is going to drive your content. It's going to drive your ads. It's going to drive your messaging. It's going to drive like so many different things in your business, your marketing. And like, it's a, such a, it's a really cheap, easy to use tool that helps a lot with that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Great stuff. Um, thanks so much. Uh, if people want to find out more or, uh, I think chat, chat with you about launching a product, right? Developing yeah, products. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's the best way of getting in touch? Yeah. So you can reach out at stokeventures.com. Um, and send me, you know, you put in your email, we'll send you some helpful info. If you're interested in launching a product, um, best way to do that is, is schedule, go over to our product development tab and, um, schedule a free consultation. Happy to chat with, with anybody who's interested in developing a physical product or mobile app. We also do, we also help with, um, uh, product launch strategy. So actually helping people to understand not just how to develop a product, but then also how to do every, how to, you know, go from A to Z with the process of actually bringing a product to market. Um, so you can happy to chat with, with people about that as well. Awesome. Sounds great. All right, cool. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Will. Yeah, it was awesome talking about everything and uh, yeah, really appreciate it. Cheers, Andrew. All right. Thanks, Will. So a massive contributor to growth for Grassracks has been that affiliate outreach and partnerships. Instead of trying to fight for those top spots on Google, they've worked with the brands there and taken advantage of the authority and trust that's already been built there. If a personal brand you love says, hey, check out this product, you're much more likely to than if you came across it on an advert. Building trust, giving customers a great experience is essential online. You're probably not going to get super high conversion rates online because you know it's far too easy for something to go wrong or you know, just for a visitor to have several competitor sites open at once, or they're checking out your blog, or they're literally just sat at their desk window shopping. But by focusing on the experience, speaking to customers, building trust in your business, and clearly communicating about your product, you're going to give yourself the best possible chance of winning those sales. If you'd like to learn more about how Andrew helps businesses launch products, head over to the Stoke Ventures website or find him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com tweet me at Will Lawrenson or drop me a message on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Christopher Han joining me from Virgin Pure to discuss the opportunities and challenges they've faced over the last year. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.